Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. My dudes, it's going to be a heavy episode tonight. So before we get into that, we're going to talk about some fun stuff. Um, if you guys didn't remember, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be done. So, um, or almost to that point. So don't forget, Chucky comes out tonight, season two, mm-hmm. sci-fi starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. <clears throat> um, and I believe new episodes will be out on Peacock the next day. So make sure you catch the new season of Chucky. If you guys are even remotely on social media, I'm sure it's been shoved on your throat because it's been shoved on mine and I'm here for it. Um... Shout out to Sci-Fi as well for showing a Chucky marathon today, Perks of Working From Home. I was able to watch some of it, but unfortunately I jumped in during halfway of three and then got to see, which is the one I hate the most, and then Bride happened and then Seed, and I had to hop off a Seed. So I was like, yeah, but um, it was still really cool. I was hoping I would catch Curse and Cult, but I've seen Curse and Cult so many times, it's almost like, do I really need to watch it again? But anyway... So guys, don't forget, Chucky comes out tonight. Um, And before we get into the podcast, a word from our small set. Calm your body down. I did not get a chance to watch anything today. No. Um, (laughs) We'll get into that in a minute. So guys, um, if, uh, if you are in the Cincinnati Southwest Ohio area, I am going to try to do one more market before the end of this year um, in December. Otherwise, um, there will be a new bath bomb coming out next month. Otherwise, the pumpkin spice ones are still available. Uh, that's always the popular one this year. Um, it will, and it's going to be available all the way until the end of the year. Um, Unfortunately, I will not be bringing the skulls back this year, um, possibly next year, but the skull buff bath bombs are not going to be coming back this year. Um, but there will be a new bath bomb coming out next month. Otherwise, everything is available on Etsy, free shipping, and calm your body down on Etsy, TikTok, and uh, Instagram. Calm your body down. Also, you guys, super loving this weather. I I don't even remember the last time we've had an actual fall. Winter's trying to creep in a little bit, and I'm going to need it to hold its damn horses, though. Um, It got a little too fucking hot today. I don't know. It was 76. It's okay, though. I don't like that. Summer did a small creep, but winter did a small creep. Last night, it got to, like, 40, and I was like... I can do 50s in the morning and maybe a high of 70. I just want my, I want my sweater weather. Sweater weather. I want my sweater weather. Sweater weather. Okay. There is nothing better. I get a little bit of my sweater weather and then I'm in a goddamn t-shirt. I got mosquito bites today. What the fuck? I wore a hoodie outside of my apartment and had to take it off because I started getting nauseated from how hot I was. I was repotting (laughs) plants and got mosquito bites. I was like... I'm sweating and I have mosquito bites and it's October. I'm not happy. <laughs> I am not happy right now. But this is, this, this is, is nothing compared to what the fall has brought us before where it'll be 80 or 90 in the fucking middle of October. And we're like, what the hell is this shit? Um, it is literally what supposed to get down. peanut butter fuck? 
Have you been seeing that? I'm, listen, every chance I've gotten to use that, what in the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup? I've been going, the true, oh, way too fucking much. Way too fucking much. Was with my niche. She's on TikTok. That popped up. I was like. You know what makes me sad, though, is that TikTok is more quotable than Vines because more people watched TikTok. And I'm over here like, OG, like, and they were roommates. <laughs> Free Shavakadoo! But see, the real ones know. The real ones know. It's not for the <laughs> children, okay? It's not, it's not for, for the chittens. It's not for them. The chittens. But Friday will be sweater weather. I will be making... A roast in the crock pot. Oh, I'm so excited. Like, I need this. I need it. Roast? Listen. They have the they have the pot roast kits. Uh, Aldi fans out there. The pot roast kits are back. $9. Done. You get all your fixings, your Done. pot roast, everything. Done. You pop that shit in your fucking crock pot all day long on a low. Just Listen, that yes. shit hits different. And in your the whole fall. house smells like it. That's when you know it's fall. That oh shit my god, hits different a crisp in the fall. day and your whole fucking house smells like a goddamn pot roast. Listen. You know what ices the cake on that? A nice cold cup of apple cider. Yeah. I gotta get some apple cider. I need to get some apple cider. But have you seen the fucking prices for it? I haven't looked. I told you there's that I always try to support local markets as much as possible. And we have one by our house. Shout out, shout out Citrus Tree. And I need to see how much their apple cider is. Because yeah. I have not bought any apple cider this year. And I would like to specifically... See, we either buy it there or when we go look for our pumpkins for the year. We try to get it from the same place that we get our pumpkins. Um, so I haven't even looked. At $4. I, have, I haven't even looked. At $4. Yikes. Okay. It's the same as a gallon of gas. <laughs> at Walmart. Barely. <laughs> a half a gallon. Is three sixty something. Man. That's why I have not gotten apple cider. I really fucking love apple cider. Too. I like spiked it's apple so cider, good. and I used to always Same. do that. Like every year, Same. I get some crown, put some of that apple crisp in the apple cider. Let Shit. me tell you, you start getting some buildup in your nasal cavity and your throat. Make yourself a little hot toddy. Done. Yes. That's the only time I ever want one is when I'm sick, though. Me with chili. Wendy's chili specifically. Listen. If I'm sick, I want Wendy's chili. I don't care. Anybody that hates on Wendy's chili, let me tell you something. There is just a certain time when it hits and when it does, you need it to be there. Because it is a comfort food. Okay? It's not something you have all the time. No. Otherwise, you're trash. You're garbage. You don't eat it all the fucking time, okay? You're a piece of shit, okay? <laughs> you you only eat it in certain moments when you need it because it is a comfort in that moment. So I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. But people trash Wendy's chili, and I'm like, listen. They trash it because it's the hamburger left over from the day before. And I'm like, listen, I know that. I'm going to eat a hamburger like you don't eat leftovers. Those are people that don't eat leftover leftovers, and those people are strange. I'm sorry. If you don't eat leftovers, you... I'm like, it is... I'm so glad you had such a privileged life, and that was, you know... <laughs> okay, we didn't do that shit. Uh, <laughs> I eat leftover hamburgers. I eat leftover 
everything. Same. Let me say, cold pizza though, no one, it's mm. cold pizza. Especially after a slumber party when you want it for breakfast mm. the next morning. I was weird though. I needed breakfast food. I was always one of those kids and I'm still kind of weird like that. I can't eat regular food in the morning. Unless I'm hungover, I'll eat anything. But uh, it's been a long fucking time. I'm too old for that yes, shit. Uh, nobody's getting, if you're getting hungover and you're 40, reevaluate everything about your life. Anyway, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> reevaluate everything about your life. You need therapy. But it just, yeah. Otherwise, I'm, I'm a weird about like, I need breakfast food for breakfast. Now, I can eat breakfast food for dinner. Oh, yeah. But I can't, like, my husband's like that. He's the like, only my husband's like, I'll eat cold pizza, smoke cold meatloaf. I'll eat okay, no. first thing in the morning. And I'm like, the only thing that's allowed that isn't breakfast food is cold pizza. Okay, I, we can, that's okay. the only thing okay, that's we allowed. Can come, we can come to a conference. I'm not about to be pull fucking spaghetti out of the fucking fridge at 9 a.m. and be like, breakfast, okay, no. He's, okay, he's not that bad. Thank God. Because I'd be looking at him like, Fucking what would buddy? I fucking can, buddy from I Elf. I can make you some. You gonna pancakes. put some? You gonna put some fucking syrup on that spaghetti? <laughs> Jesus. Right. <laughs> also, saying. speaking of which, Hobby Lobby can stop it with these goddamn Christmas ads. I'm watching Hulu, and that's every like. I'm so angry. I want to throw the remote at the TV, but I won't because my husband will, will be really mad at me. But no, I would not. I would never do that. Um. It, but it, it incenses you. Because I'm over here, Jamie Lee Curtis. What the fuck is that? And I meant that in my stories. Anybody that saw that? If I hear Christmas music coming from anywhere, I will skin you alive. I will either park in traffic and do it in your car, or I will come into your home and do it and find you. But I will skin you alive. I, I will. Also, I don't understand what because this is what about, is but what are you doing? What are we doing? Jamie Lee Curtis actually saying the word "fuck" didn't make you so happy. <laughs> Did something to me that I cannot explain. Alex agreed. Like we watched it over and over, and I was like, "Why is Jamie Lee Curtis saying the word fuck turning me on?" Because she's amazing, and she's always been hot. True. She's always I Barney Weaver over here with daddy energy. She's what always is that. She's always been my screen queen. She will always be my screen queen, and I will always have a super mega crush on her forever. With good reason. Forever. Oh, I got a message that uh my debit card with Chase Bank was frozen. I need to call this number. I don't even have a fucking bank account with Chase. <laughs> Those motherfuckers are so Fucking stupid. stupid. I'm so glad those finally stopped for me. I was getting those. I get them very rarely. Very rarely. I was getting like a cluster of them all at one time, and I was just like, and now they've stopped because I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. So, I ain't got shit. I'm poor as hell. If you'd like to donate money, <laughs> if you would like to donate, <laughs> my like PayPal is give me money. <laughs> All right, guys, that would be so great. unfortunately, we, well, not really unfortunately, because it's the podcast episode, but we are going to be talking about something heavy tonight, so just... We're back on our true crime. This is a true crime episode. Um, also, I just want to make a point of saying, because me and Casper were talking about this earlier, and I literally had to unfollow somebody that I really liked uh, and was a fan of, because I've been seeing this going around. I just want to make a quick uh, point of saying that... Um, 
I don't think in any way, shape, or form what we are doing should be compared to what like Netflix or Hulu or any of these major streaming services do when they talk about true crime or decide to have docu-series about true crime or whatever. And everybody knows what I'm talking in reference to. I don't even need to say it because it's already out there and everybody's been talking about it. Casper did watch it. The Dahmer Show on Netflix. I have made a point to not watch it. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to give an explanation. I don't feel like I need to give an explanation. I know a lot of people that stopped it right in the middle. Whatever you chose to do is up to you. That's why we're humans. We can do what we want to do. But just want to say real quick, anybody that's trying to compare what we do to that, um, that needs to stop. Okay? We don't, if we were making millions of dollars off of this podcast and we ever, and we don't even, we don't even consider ourselves a true crime podcast. We do these once a month, if that, if we don't have something else going on. So uh, if we were making any money whatsoever off of episodes like this, we would gladly give it back to the victims' families. I mean, without a doubt. And I feel like we do our best anytime we do these episodes to tell them from the point of view of the victim, but also tell what is true about these killers that, you know, these people are made. This is, that needs to be psychologically, we need to know that so we can try to, dig deep and figure out and stop that shit from happening because it's all psychological, but also know that they did horrible things and there are victims' families out there. Now, of course, from their point of view, they, I'm sure they're very uncomfortable with it. And it's something that's in the zeitgeist that, you know, they, they, I don't say, I'm never going to say should come to terms with, but it's kind of one of those things they've been forced to. But if in any way, shape, or form we could give money back or any compensation to them if we were making any money, we would. And I think it's a really unfair comparison to compare this Netflix series and them not compensating Donner's uh, victims' families compared to us. I think that's a really unfair comparison. In no way, shape, or form would we ever do. Now, are there people who do it for clout? That's disgusting. And they are, and they do exist, and that's really sad. But I don't listen to those type of podcasts. Casper doesn't. And they're few and far between it. I feel like I think most people that do it's always more driven from the point of view of having nothing but the utmost respect for the victims as much as we can. Um, but also realize it's a real thing and it happens and these are real people and in recognizing that the psychology of it does need to be studied and, and understood uh, for the same reason why there's these FBI units and criminologists and why this exists is try to stop this from happening. So I just want to make a point of saying that I feel like that's been going around a lot on social media that uh, podcasts like ours and true crime podcasts and other people that are doing stuff like that are getting attacked and basically getting put on the same pedestal as Netflix and Hulu and all these streaming services that have millions and billions of dollars to put on these shows. And you know what? Hey, I will agree with you. They should be, they should be giving money to these victims families. I couldn't agree more. I, I could not agree with you more. They need to talk to these victims' families. They need to include, you know, they need to have respect. And I, I couldn't agree with you more, but trying to compare us and True Crime Podcast out there to that and saying we're just as bad is really unfair and it's not appreciated at all and it really needs to stop. That attack is unwarranted and unwanted and it just doesn't need to happen. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm sure a lot of other people in the horror community have been seeing that a lot. You know, it's something that's a part of our lives. True crime stuff, I feel like, is never going to go away. 
Um, if it's done respectfully, we all know it can be done respectfully. But I definitely agree that the victim's family should get something. Um, That's why I'm you so know, sad so... that this series, that you know Netflix didn't do that with this series because this has been one of the best series that I've seen that has more or less more taken it from the victim's point of views on a lot of the episodes. And I think a lot of this is coming from people that just don't like true crime. They don't like any of it. They think it's exploitive. They And listen, you are allowed to have your opinions. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Don't watch it. <clears throat> but then don't don't but then don't not don't watch it and then turn but don't do both. Don't wa don't turn around and not watch it and then attack other people for watching it or attack other people for talking about it. That is not your place to do that. And if you really cared, then you would be out you would be out there actually trying to do something as an, you know, some type of activism or something. You know what I mean? Like if you actually care, you're not trying to be a loud mouth on the internet because you have a platform. Um or at least you think you have a platform. So, um, like I said, I'm not going to get into it because I don't feel like I need to. I personally am not going to watch it. Uh, you know, and I, I'll even go as far as saying, did we really need this? No, we no. no, we didn't. We really didn't need another Dahmer thing. We don't need any more Bundy shit. We don't need more Gacy shit. We don't need more Ramirez shit. Son of Sam. We don't need any more of this shit. We really don't. A lot of these have been told a billion times over, but... You know, hey, it's one of those things, all you can do is hope that maybe ones that do come along do find it in their hearts to get the families involved and give them compensation. But until that happens, don't go attacking people that have nothing to do with that. That's very unfair. Also, I didn't want to preface one that actually is good and actually did have the family involved. And we finally, because I know you guys wanted us to do a podcast episode about that, the Lori Vallow story. Uh, Sins of the Mother on Netflix. Uh, I always forgot that it's the woman that killed her two kids. Oh, yeah. Remember, they were she wouldn't say where they were and the new husband. And remember the whole, her husband and the brother and the, the, the whole story was not. And remember, people wanted us to talk about it. And we were like, there's just not enough information. I don't even think they had gone to trial no, yet. Like, that we was, didn't even, like, the, kid, the kids had just been found. We didn't even... I really knew so little about the yeah. story. I was like, I don't want to talk about this till we know all the facts. I think it was just, it would have, we wouldn't have been able to do it justice to just kind of go off whatever when we didn't know. Um, but Sins of the Mother, uh, I had no idea that there was an older son. Um, it will break your heart. Awesome. First and foremost, I'm going to tell you right <clears throat> now. Uh, it is, and it's really because of the son, this older son. You got to think he lost, mom turned into a psycho, stepdad gone, brothers and sisters are dead. He doesn't know if his mom killed him, this psycho guy, mom married, killed him. Why are they buried on his, pro I'm telling, guys, please. And eventually at some point we will talk about this. I would, I really want Casper at some point to watch it. It's three episodes. It's real easy to get through, but I'm telling you, it would break your heart. But the one respect I can give is that at least in this case, Netflix, the family was involved and it was done very respectfully because it was told exactly from the point of view and the son. And that's the only person I cared to hear about in this whole thing. 
Um, I really urge everybody to watch it. If everybody's not, if everybody also isn't clear on the whole story, because it really has us all up to date on what's going on. Because I think there's like another trial. This all happened so quick and so fast. And then COVID was happening and shit got postponed and all of that. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there because it's, it's got a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. This, if you're going to watch anything true crime, that you feel as though is actually respectful of the families. I really urge everybody to watch Eyes of Our Mother. It's it's amazing, but it is heartbreaking because it's a really heartbreaking, awful, awful, awful story. Um, and stop these crazy cults. Like, stop with this crazy, stop with this crazy shit. Just, oh my God, please. Just stop especially if it puts your kids in danger my god but anyway i just wanted to say that because me and casper were talking about that and i just think it's so unfair true these these people podcasters like us we don't make any money and if we did you know we would not we, we're not doing this for clout we're not doing this for attention even the episode tonight you know when we we always try to come more from the point of view of the victims that even this one um i specifically picked this article even though it's from 2019, it's three years old because this one um, is really told more from the point of view of the victims in this case. And I think it's more important that they give their voice to what happened to them. Um, but also, you know, giving some insight on what happened to this poor woman. And I don't think a lot of people know about this case, especially I don't now. Either. This is really not a well-known case. It became super popular in the 80s. If you guys saw my story where I reposted, um, I had the song, I Don't Like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats. So um, that was a big, uh, that became a big hit after, if anybody's not, I wasn't familiar with the Boomtown Rats except for this one uh, song. Bob Geldof was their lead singer. Most people will know Bob Geldof as playing Pink in Pink Floyd the Wall. That's how I knew Bob Geldof. I'm a big Pink Floyd fan. I've seen The Wall umpteenth billion times. And he plays Pink in the movie. So um, that's how I know Bob Gil Oh, and Live Aid with Queen and because I'm an 80s freak. But really The Wall if you're a Pink Floyd fan. Otherwise, I, I didn't know anything about Bob Geldof. Um, but this song became like their biggest hit. Um, and it's all about the one phrase that Brenda Spencer apparently uttered right after she did this they asked her why and she said because i don't like mondays so um the whole time yeah. i had a uh, monday monday in my head yeah monday monday i'm like i'm like i don't like, I don't like <clears throat> mondays either but i ain't gonna go off and do this shit so this article is from the san diego union tribune it was from january of 2019 by pauline rapard and it states 40 years ago brenda spencer took lives and changed lives in a mass shooting at a San Diego elementary school. Um, I guess since this article is kind of long, did you want to maybe read a couple of paragraphs at a time? Yeah, or... we can just like two for it. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> so Charles Cam, in quotes, Miller, sees the scar on his chest every day. And remembers how, when he was nine years old, a bullet from Brenda Spencer's twenty-two rifle pierced him from back to front. He vividly recalls the sight of Principal Burton Rag and head custodian Michael Schuscher lying bleeding in front of Cleveland Elementary School in the San Carlos neighborhood. 
Um, Miller has never forgotten the horror he felt when he lay in an ambulance next to inert, what is his, suture? Suture. And the ambulance rounded a curve. The custodian rolled on top of him face to face. It was 40 years ago, January 29th, 1979. Spencer, then 16, armed with the rifle and scope her father gave her for Christmas. <laughs> Get a scope for Christmas. Okay. Started picking off students heading to the elementary school directly across the street from her Lake Atlin Avenue home. Miller was one of her victims. Unless you live in Alaska, I don't understand why a 16-year-old is... Or like a farm... Or like down in Texas where they literally have to keep wild pigs out of their front yards. Or like out in Montana where you have to hunt for your own food. I don't know. Like, you're in San Diego. There's a McDonald's five minutes away. <laughs> why are we giving a 16-year-old? <laughs> I don't understand that. Your, your stomach um, really told My stomach story. was in said, agreement uh, with everything. It said, like, oh. It's like, yeah, exactly. Um... She fired 36 rounds. 11 hit their mark. Eight children and three adults. Rag and Suture died. The others, including San Diego police officer Robert Rob. Oh, you poor guy. Robert. Oh, Robert Rob. I'm sorry. His name's Rob Rob. You poor thing. Uh, survived their wounds. Spencer fired at the school for about 20 minutes and famously told a reporter who reached her by phone that she was shooting... Because I just don't like Mondays. I did this because it's a way to cheer up the day. You know, the flippant, the flippant <clears> phrase <throat> inspired a hit single, I don't like Mondays, like I mentioned, by the Irish rock band, the Boomtown Rats. I, I don't, I genuinely am over here like, you know, I wouldn't feel like a shooting would lighten up unless she's trying to be punny. Like light it up kind of thing, which is really fucked up. But I mean, clearly... You know, that was terrible too. <laughs> that I'm just saying, like, is that what she meant? Like, like genuinely, you know, you exactly. don't know. Um, her former defense attorney said the Patrick Henry High School student suffered from a broken home, an abusive father, drug use, and hostility toward authorities and society in general. Her standoff with SWAT lasted more than six hours. Officer founded. Okay. Officers found around 200 rounds of unspent ammunition in the house. Spencer, who was charged in court as an adult, pleaded guilty in 1980 to two counts of murder. She was, sen she was sentenced to concurrent terms of 25 years to life in prison. Nine counts of attempted murder were dismissed. Now 56 years old, she remains in California Institution for Women in Corona. After being denied parole several times, she is eligible for another hearing in 2021. Now we know that has come to pass i have not obviously she's still to this day is incarcerated there hasn't been any news of her being released so at least that we know that the parole hearing probably didn't go well so <laughs> probably <clears throat> it, I, it probably won't ever go well hers was her, hers wasn't the first school mass shooting in the nation but at that time it was among the few in which more than two or three people died or were wounded Two of the worst before Spencer's shootings in 1966 at the University of Texas, where a gunman killed 17 people and wounded 31. And in 1976 at Cal State Fullerton, where seven were killed and two were wounded, it involved adult male shooters. As with any mass shooting, Spencer's sniper assault on the elementary school changed the lives of the widows, the wounded, their families, and a community. It might have even changed the nation. 
She hurt so many people and had so much to do with starting a deadly trend in America, said Richard Sachs, a San Diego County deputy district attorney tasked with formally opposing parole for Spencer on several occasions. Since 1979, the United States and other nations have seen a dramatic rise in the frequency of mass shootings and the casualty <clears throat> list. Ain't that the truth? A University of Southern California professor who has studied school shootings agreed that while they can no longer considered while they are no longer considered new, they tend to cast a wider, more significant effect on society through widespread news reporting, news reporting and posts on social media sites. That shooting probably affected every person on that campus, Ron A.V. Astor, a professor of social work and education, said of the San Carlos shooting. As a very strong ripple effect, even if you're not hit by a bullet, that stays with you forever. It's like the ripple on a pond that goes through generations in a community. The community may eventually have a hard time remembering the 1979 shooting. The school was sold and leveled, and a new housing was and a new housing was built on the nine-acre site. A KB developer signed notes homes available starting at seven seven hundred thousand dollars. Now I'm sure that's doubled since. Ooh, uh, yeah, but it article. has. <laughs> it's a million dollars now. It is one point four. Yeah, it's one point four million dollars. Um, we're not joking. Uh, the developer. <laughs> Installed a memorial now at the corner of Lake Atlin and Lake Angela Streets to Rag and Suture. It includes a memorial paid for by people in the community. One ripple outward from the shooting sent fear through a third generation in the Rag family. The principal's widow, Kath. I would say it's Kathy. It's probably just a okay. spelling. Rag and daughter Penny made sure the parole board heard their opposition by release to releasing Spencer from prison. Both have since died, and two surviving sons don't like to speak publicly about it, family members said. But Haley Rag, who at age 26 wasn't alive when Spencer killed her grandfather, learned as a child to fear her release from prison. I know there was a lot of turmoil in the family every time Brenda was up on <clears throat> parole. She said in recent <clears throat> interviews. I was so young, I didn't really understand it. I felt really scared, like she'd come after me. I felt like letting this person out of her cage would harm my family members even more. Her cousin, Valerie Stahl, said she grew up not knowing much about Spencer until she hit college and Googled the incident. Stahl said her mother, Penny Rag, never got the right help dealing with the murder of her father at school. Now I think it's better to talk about it, Stahl said. See, and that's so sad hearing that because I'm sure that's not the case, but you're brought up your whole life to believe that because the family never, I'm sure that mother and daughter should have gotten therapy, but back then that's, yeah. Therapy especially wasn't looked at back especially then. Especially after something like that, your husband and your <clears> father <throat> are murdered essentially and yeah, you know, because I'm... I, it wasn't personal, but now you've got the whole family thinking if she gets out, she's going to come after the whole family. And that, listen, I'm not excusing what Brenda did, but that's just such a sad way to raise a family. You're raising a family in fear and that trauma, you know, you never settled it and got help for it. So now you've just rippled it, ripple effect through the whole family. Generational trauma. Isn't it lovely? It's lovely. <laughs> it like a infomercial generational trauma it's okay it's lovely it'll be in the video <laughs> Haley rag said she decided to break the family silence by telling her grandfather's story on a video for safe kids inc which developed school safety curricula and guides for parents 
My grandfather and the janitor threw themselves at the kids that were being shot at that morning to save their lives and in the process lost their own. I may not have grown up with a grandpa, but many children grew up to have their own families. That doesn't shatter my heart into pieces at all. One of those children was Miller, who believes Spencer targeted him that morning because he was wearing a down vest in her favorite color, blue. Other children in down coats were targeted too, and Spencer later was quoted, was quoted as saying she enjoyed seeing feathers fly as she shot them. Miller recalls that his mother had just dropped him off at about 8.30, and he saw the principal and custodian lying in the parking lot near some bushes. He felt a sharp pain, blacked out for a moment, and then a neighbor girl helped him towards the school building. He and other wounded children were hustled to the auditorium to await an ambulance. I lie in the cafeteria, it seemed like forever, with a bullet entry wound in his back and a chest exit wound, Miller said. Meanwhile, San Diego police had raced to the school on reports of gunfire, children shot, then an officer wounded. Patrol officer Ted Kasanek halted a garbage truck driver, headed into a shooting scene, and commandeered the truck. He drove into the parking he drove it into the parking lot to serve as a shield while officers and school staff removed the wounded. Right away a volley of shots started, then it stopped, Kasanek said. He took cover behind the truck as SWAT officers surrounded the Spencer house. Officer Rob, wounded in the neck by a round from Spencer, was huddled behind a tree with other officers, Kazanak recalled. Rob was awarded a Medal of Valor for rushing forward to try to save those who had been shot. SWAT officer Jim McGinley said he took up a sniper position on a neighbor's roof, his rifle trained on the Spencer back door. SWAT officer Marty Dewitz aimed his rifle at the front door from the safety of a schoolroom. They said that they had a green light to kill Spencer if they had an opportunity. <clears throat> but Officer Paul Olson, primary negotiator, talked to Spencer on and off by phone for hours, urging her to throw out her gun and surrender. He promised that a Burger King Whopper would be waiting for her. Now, 72 Olson, now Olson, who was 72, kept his report. Oh, no, he's 72 now. Oh, now 72. I can't read. That's okay. I'm like, it's fine. It's been a long day. Help me understand. Yeah, now he's 72, has kept his report notes from that day. He said Spencer told him things like having shot a rabbit in the back of his head from 25 yards. She said the school victims looks like looked like a herd of cows for gathering around the wounded, making them easy pickings. Spencer came out of her house <clears throat> at 2.30 p.m., lying her 22 rifle and a pellet rifle on the ground, then boxes of ammunition. Kazanak and Officer Patty Bernathy drove the team to the homicide unit for questioning. Suture, the custodian who died after being shot, was survived by his wife and son. Mark Guerrero, Mike. Mike, sorry, Mike Guerrero, a financial accountant with National School District, worked for Suture as a part-time janitor while studying at San Diego State University. He said that Suture and the principal didn't get along that all that well, but that day when Rag was felled in the parking lot, Suture didn't hesitate to run and try to help. All I could think was, his military training kicked in, it's your comrade and you assist him, Guerrero said. He noted that Suture had been in the Seabees, a Navy construction battalion during World War II and emerged with no battle wounds. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like even if you're not really a fan of somebody, you're not, you're not just like, yeah, I'm going to let them die. Yeah, in that moment, like, it's you know, like, it's different. Yeah. You're, you're, 
you don't want just because you don't like somebody doesn't necessarily mean you want them to die. No, no, it's a to it's a totally different situation when that starts to happen. You're just acting on instinct. Daryl Barnes, who taught fifth and sixth grade at Cleveland at Cleveland Elementary, was having coffee with the principal when they heard gunfire and ran outside. Barnes was narrowly missed by bullets as he dragged several children indoors. 22 years later, his son, Dan Barnes, also a teacher, found himself a target of Granite Hills High School shooter Jason Hoffman. Hoffman fired at him but missed. Dan Barnes is now principal at Grossmont High School. So what it sounds like is that the Barnes, like, the universe is protecting them at all costs. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> like, if any of them go into teaching... Uh, real quick, that shooting happened in, um, I just wanted to, real quick, because I've never heard of this. Uh, here's just a real quick blurb about that shooting. Just minutes after lunch ended and fifth period began on March 22nd, 2001, an 18-year-old former student, Jason Hoffman, arrived on campus with a 12-gauge shotgun and a 22 pistol, pistol, Opening fire outside the attendance office, which also houses the principal and vice principal offices. Five people were injured by shrapnel or suffered severe symptoms from the traumatic experience, but few victims incurred bullet wounds. Hoffman himself was shot in the butt and jaw. Hoffman was arrested by police officer Rich Agundez, who had been on campus during school hours since the shooting two weeks earlier at Santana High School. There were a lot of school shootings going on around this area. Hoffman would later commit suicide by hanging himself from bed sheets in his prison cell in November of 2002. Wow. Wow. Um, Daryl Barnes retired from teaching in 2001 and died in 2016. His widow, Karen Barnes, and her said her husband always believed that the Lord had protected him from Spencer during that shooting. He always remembered that day, Barnes said, and he talked about that blood stain on the principal's shirt. God's been protecting that whole family, like you said. For real. Like, My God. Nope. Mary Rentowl, it's R-I-N-T-O-U-L. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Remembers, too, she was Mary Clark then, age nine, when she was shot through her lower, lower torso and didn't know it. A quick pain subsided as she was rushed into the cafeteria to safety. Other children lie bleeding on the stage. I remember that fear. You don't know what's going on. We didn't understand why she was shooting at us, Rentoll said. Police escorted them to buses to be united with parents at Pershing Middle School. Her mother discovered the bullet hole through her jacket zipper and in her side. Could you imagine, like, not only going through getting shot, but just how she described that, the, the scene. Like, it just plays out in your head over and over, just seeing that happen right in front of you it's like your brain can't even comprehend what's happening just any of these mass shootings i mean it was just a few days ago and i still don't know why you never hear about this in the media every year you really the anniversary happens but um that las vegas shooting where that guy from that hotel at during that country con concert shot all those people like i mean he shot up just rounds and rounds and they're still like how did he get all those guns in the hotel uh, why don't we know anything? And it's just like, and those people, I mean, you're at a, all of these are so crazy. You're at school, you're at a concert, you're at a club, you know, whatever, anything. It's like, you know, you can't live your life in fear. 
you really can't live your life in fear. You cannot, li you can't live your life like that because you just, you know, uh, that the Vegas shooter will, will never know why we'll never know wrong with this guy. Even to this day, you know, it's mentioned here, Brenda, I don't think we'll ever know why she did it. I don't think we'll ever know. We'll never know why a lot of these people do what they do. I think speculations can be made and rumors and, Family can say one thing and victims can say, you know, who, who knows? It, it just, it, it, you have to believe though, that something is psychologically wrong to make somebody, to have somebody make the decision that they're going to take another person's life. That's the only thing I can ever say in any of these. There's, it's never in any way, shape or form making an excuse, but there, there is a psychological, there is, it, it, it at least goes through somebody's head, but to actually have the act to do it. That's not acting on a healthy brain. No, there's not a healthy <clears throat> frontal lobe going on there. There, there's, there's just, it's, it's not. And again, never an excuse, but it, it's, you know, we we know that there's those uh, spur, you know, spur, and I think that's more like a passionate where it's just like you snap kind of killings. Now I do believe. Those are so few and far between, though, but those are a thing. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, really to make a methodical, like, I'm going to pick up this gun, I'm going to point out the window at this school, and I'm just going to start randomly shooting people. That's not, something's not healthy in the old noggin to going me, on up there. And this, I don't condone. And you can't, and here's the fucked up thing, though. Can you say, you can't, okay, now I say that. But every time these lawyers or anybody try to say, okay, well then plead insanity. Well, the one thing that stands with insanity is, did they know this was right from wrong? Well, they know. Oh, they know. Mm -hmm. So I didn't say they, you know, that's where you're like, well, where does the level of, what is your definite, you know, insanity then? Obviously something not healthy going on where it's like, I'm going to make the decision to do this, but I'm not insane because I know this is wrong. I know I shouldn't do this, but I did it anyway. And I kept doing it, or I'm going to keep doing it, or I'll do it again more than likely. Or So, yeah, that's where you're, it's where it's always this weird line of like. It's a very fine Okay, line. you're not sane. But you're also not, not sane. Insane. Right. So, yeah. You're sane, but you're but not, not sane. But you're not. Yeah. So, clearly. Yeah. Yep. That line is very transparent. Um, Rintel suffered nightmares and got counseling. Her older brother helped her over her fear of guns by taking her out shooting jackrabbits when she was 11. She said <coughs> she learned the gun wasn't the danger, but the person firing it. Yes. Can we also just tattoo that saying on our foreheads, please? Thank you. Hey, one more time. Yep. The gun is not the danger. The person firing it is. Clearly something was wrong with Brenda. And it wasn't this just is, about Monday. This is in every case. <laughs> no, too, but like, yeah, it is. Sincerely. It is. It is. And we don't want to get on this debate. This is no. a really hot button. A lot mm -hmm. of people. But I, I That's feel why like, I just wanted to repeat that. I feel like that that's just then... a consensus that, oh, that I'm really glad that this woman came to. And I think ultimately this was a big part of her healing. I think that became a big part of her healing because now she has something to defend herself and also knowing that it wasn't this, mm -hmm. that could have been anybody that picked up, you know, it was the person, that gun was just laying there 
It had to be this person with this mindset to pick that up, to make that decision, to use that gun that day to kill people. Yes, 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 yes. So. And this is her. Whenever I hear <clears throat> of school shootings, I'm bothered because I know what those children are facing. I stopped following Brenda's parole hearings 25 years ago. I realized she'd never have a realistic answer of why she did it. And that's the sad part, because you know these people are looking for closure, and they're probably never going to get I think an that's answer. a big part of a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's why a lot of these issues are so, you know, because either the person never gives a clear answer of why they did it. Uh, God, in Dahmer's case, he didn't even spend, what, a couple of years in prison before he Three. got beaten? Maybe like two and a half. I mean, yeah, that wasn't... Out of a nine hundred and forty-four, listen, or something deserved like that. it. Definitely deserved it. But you're he like, deserved it, okay, but maybe like forty years into I mean, it, you know, could have gotten a little <laughs> bit more tort. But there you go. So, and I mean, even the whole like when you were talking about the insanity thing, they wanted him to plead insane because they wanted him to go get help mentally, and he straight up was like, "But I knew what I was doing." Still doesn't mean he didn't need help, bud. I mean, it it did. He needed help, but he yeah. was saying like, How I think can the I thing is, saying he needed help far. Oh God, I feel like so much of that goes back to his his <sighs> mom and dad. Can't accept my son being gay. So I mean, but I can accept him. But I'll forgive him. Well, no, I don't accept what he did, but I can forgive. He literally said he could forgive Ooh. him for being. A killer, but not... And again, it is not... No way making excuses for what no. these people do. No. Not making excuses for what these people do. But if help was given to him way back... We're talking high school. Even, you know, way back. Right. He was drinking when he was 13. You know, this should have been... This, was, this should have been happening, yeah, way, way back way back it's so. like we always say and now most people who are you know very into the true crime scene none of us condone any of it that's happening how could you you couldn't yeah but it's so that's learning about the psychology behind it to help us prepare better that's why mine hunter was so great exactly in us the inside to the fbi criminology unit and how that got started because a lot of people were against that. You saw that in the first season. It's like, these people are just evil. Why do we need to study them? Why do we need to... Because you can't chalk it up to that. Because that won't do anything about trying any way, shape, or form to stop this. There are always signs with these people. And if you could just get one relative, one neighbor, one teacher, one somebody... I've heard this a million times even in therapy. There is that <clears throat> one person. If that one person speaks up and makes a difference it makes all of the difference and now what what we know now that they didn't know in the 70s 80s even 90s of what we could put a stop to if just one person would say something that's why this is so important but never but to say well it's not an excuse anybody that thinks it's you've missed the whole point of any of this the whole of, point. Of, of the of the years and years and years that 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 psychologists and psychiatrists have put blood sweat and tears into studying this you've missed the whole point if you think in any way shape or form that they think this is an excuse for what the, the monstrous things these people did absolutely is not you're trying to stop these monstrous things from I'm trying happening. to understand them trying to understand to stop them exactly exactly because it's like 
why it, me and me and Becky had this conversation when we first started the podcast after we did the Bundy episode. We were very disturbed, distraught, tired, drained. And that was when we decided we cannot do more than one episode of true crime a month, if that, because right. it is so, it's a lot, you know, when you actually sit down and read what happened to these people and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, people are like, well, why do you want to, you know, talk about that and do that? It's because literally we're trying to understand these people to stop it in the future. It's not well, this is amazing, I love this, or, you know, stuff like that. It has nothing to do with that at all. And that's why Netflix, get on Mindhunter, please. Get back on Mindhunter, that's all. I felt like that was the only one that really showed, you know, as far as a true crime show, if you want to put it in the same vein, that really did more of a respect and the insight of what these what the true heroes these psychiatrists and psychologists are trying to do in stopping these things from happening not to mention the main one of the main characters sons was clearly showing sons of being a psychopath wow um and then we got nothing that kid was going to become a serial killer. oh yeah 100 percent thousand percent that was a gay scene in the making on, that kid was on his well he already killed somebody so spoiler alert but i mean it's been out for a while anyway um Spencer's, oh yeah, Spencer's former attorney, oh, where am I at? Yeah, Spencer's former <laughs> attorney, Michael McGlynn, who has represented juvenile offenders for decades, believes his former client didn't know what she was doing and no longer poses a threat to society. He was not hired to represent Spencer at her parole hearings. She wrote him a letter in 2015 thanking him for his criminal defense work and noting, what I did was horrible, so I don't really complain about the amount of time I've done. McGinn, that is a last name, isn't it? I keep like like gagging on my tongue. Your name is Mick hard to say. (laughs) Hard. Sounds like a McDonald's term. (laughs) Mick hard. McGlynn believes Spencer's accounts that her divorced father, Wallace Spencer, sexually abused her and that under his influence, she began dressing as a boy and learned to hunt and shoot with him. Her father went on to marry Spencer's 17-year-old juvenile hall cellmate. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Her. They tried to look into charges against him because he was 45 years old at the time. And, uh, but her parents, as soon as she got out of that juvie hall, her parents signed over rights to him and he married this 17-year-old girl. And apparently was extremely abusive to her, but she stayed with him for like 20-something years until they eventually divorced. Um, And then, yeah, he died. And then he died in 2016. At 87. Good Jesus! Yeah, he was a peach. Um, So the morning of the shooting, McGlynn said Spencer drank alcohol and took her epilepsy. I'm so sorry. I cannot read today. Epilepsy medicine. Tegretol. When he saw her days later in juvenile hall, she was ashen, zombie-like in appearance, the lawyer said. After she came out of her zombie state in prison, I didn't perceive her as a danger, and I don't today. Sachs, the deputy district attorney who supervises the LIFER unit to track the parole hearings of major offenders, disagrees with McGlynn. He noted that Spencer shot 150 feet away with deadly accuracy, not as one under the influence of drugs or alcohol. 
At her 2016 parole eligibility hearing, she cried frequently, demonstrating emotional instability, Sack said. She claimed that she wasn't trying to kill anybody, she was just shooting, he said. What she did was so awful, shooting at children. We feel a life sentence is only fair for someone guilty of those things. <clears throat> you know, and the sad part about all of that is... uh. I could totally believe that her dad did what he did to her. Um, well, I mean, he married a 17-year-old, so I, I kind of would believe that, yes. Uh, apparently, her parents got divorced uh, when she was a kid. At one point, her brother and her were living with her mom, were living with her dad. I don't know what happened with the brother at some point. But uh, she ended up, just her and her dad lived together. And apparently her dad, um, her and her dad slept on a mattress in the living room. Even though there were bedrooms, she slept in a mattress. Uh, her dad cut all of her hair off at one point. Um, she feels like she was targeted a lot because she was a redhead. I, you know, I don't, and I think that her... Uh, she did, there was an interview I saw where she did talk about that she always knew that she was gay and that that was something that she was sure her dad didn't accept. Um, and that maybe he always thought that she was, and that was why he cut all of her hair off and said, well, I'd rather you be a boy then. Her dad was just really, he was psychologically abusive to her. Um, what a peach. And she did drink. She would drink with her dad. Now, I don't know about being drunk that morning or being under any drugs that morning. Uh, listen, seizure medication will will throw you completely off. So I, if she did take something that morning, I really don't know how you would make those type of gunshots. You know, like he said, with pinpoint. I mean, that's that's sniper you know, that, that's sniper training to make that type of shot that accurate when, if you're under the influence of anything. Um, it's also said, now this is from Wikipedia, that apparently she did, it was discovered that she did suffer a temporal, she suffered temporal lobe damage due to a, a bike accident. So um, I don't care what anybody says. And again, not another excuse, but traumatic brain injuries that's all I'm going to say. Okay. You start hearing about, you know, you hear this Aaron Hernandez and these football players and all this crazy shit. These traumatic brain injuries. That guy that just played for the Miami Dolphins. Did you see mm -hmm. what happened? To the oh. I know that's way off. I'm not saying, you know, but I'm just, I'm talking about no, traumatic. But it, I'm talking about traumatic. Traumatic brain injuries need to be taken more seriously yeah, they do. than what they're taking in every aspect. I'm not even just talking about sports. I'm talking about these ki kids kids playing soccer you got kids playing sports you get kids have accidents and fall on their head and people do not take this seriously traumatic brain injury especially she suffered temporal lobe damage guys that's to the front of your that's you know that's this that's the whole part of right from wrong on top of all of this other trauma she's experienced from her father um it was reported that uh the year prior to this it was uh the school had informed her family that she was suicidal. She had apparently for two years prior had said that she was suicidal, had mentioned she was suicidal. 
There was a psychiatric uh, evaluation that was arranged that her father refused to get her any help to put her in the hospital. That Christmas before this shooting, she asked her dad apparently for a radio and he bought her uh, the semi-automatic rifle. I just wanted a radio. When I asked why he did, when asked what, when she was asked why she think her dad did this, she replied, he brought, he bought me the rifle so I could kill myself. Her dad was a peach. I really like him. He, a uh, great man. Great man. So, yeah, it's, it's awful what Brenda went through in life. But again, absolutely no excuse for what she did. You know, there are kids, there were, these were young, young kids, babies, nine years old at the time that have to live with the scars spiritually and physically from what she did. Um, two families that were forever changed because their father, husband, grandfather was ripped away from them because they were murdered. Um, it affected that entire community. You know, this happens, it's, you're going to school, you know, I mean, every time you go to school, every school year after that, you're forever affected. So, um, Again, it's very sad. Brenda should have gotten help. Brenda should have been taken away from her father and gotten therapy. And one could only hope she could have, listen, she could have been a lesbian, lived on a farm with her wife, happy. Uh, this did have, not you know, have to happen. And it's really fucking sad. Um, yeah. So you have to, you have to put everything you hear about her father, you have to put the, and you know, and it gives me more, it, it tell, it gives me even more credence to believe that he was fucked up with marrying this 17 year old. And even she said he was abusive. It's like, come on. Um, yeah, it's really sad. And, uh, Brenda should have definitely gotten help, definitely gotten help. Um, but again, it's no excuse. And it's really sad. And, uh, you know, obviously condolences to the family. Um, and uh, like we said, as far as we know, Brenda's parole hearing in 2021 did not go well because she is, uh, she's still in prison. Um, I guess they're saying that from, so I guess there was a local news coverage uh, from a month ago that, from the CBS affiliate in San Diego um, that people can watch if they would like uh, where her parole hearing did happen. Um, so I am sure that she is still in prison. Uh, at this point, you got to wonder, is she really a danger to herself or anyone? I don't personally think so, but if it was me, and you killed my dad. I don't care how motherfucking long it's been. I don't want your ass to get out. You know what I'm saying? I can so like this is so this is where I'm at. You know, this is where I'm at. Like it's awful what happened to her. Her father never should have did what he did to her. She was a 16 year old little girl. She should have gotten help. She should have been given a chance. Something that could she still pose a danger 40 years later? I don't think so. You know, but again. If she would have done this to my, if I got that phone call as a kid that my dad was at work and this kid killed my dad, 
40 years later, absolutely, I still want your ass in prison. Yes, I do. Yes, I, yes, yes. It's the only way. I will be at every parole hearing until the day I die to make sure that you're still in prison. So it's like, it's, I that's feel like why it's the I only can't... way that they get justice, you know, because they can't, they can't get closure with why she did it. No. So their only way of truly getting justice, I feel, is like legit. And again, that's still been up on the air if she, I, I feel like there's been conflicting reports if she actually said, because there's no, that inner, that supposed interview for years, as long as I've known about this case, I've never been able to find that concrete interview. There's been no proof, even though this has been contested. Bob Geldof says he personally spoke with her. She completely denies that. So nobody knows if that ever happened. Um, I don't buy the I don't like Mondays thing, period. Even if that is something she said. She was 16. She could have been being a smart ass. I wouldn't have taken that seriously at all. I don't even think maybe she meant to kill anybody. I think she was just shooting because she probably thought it was completely normal because what kind of, you know, you're wrapped in this world that becomes your normal. You know what I mean? So, um, again, that's where I'm at. Me, personally, do I think she still poses a danger? No. But if it was my family member, absolutely. Keep your ass in prison. Stay in prison forever. Okay, thanks. Forever. Okay, so thanks. it's, and you're absolutely right. I agree with you a thousand percent. I think a lot of it has to do more so where, where nobody will ever really know why she did this. And you can't Maybe just, she doesn't even and know. I don't you know? think she'll ever know. I don't, I don't think, think she even know. knows. I don't think she'll ever know. I think that's why they said that, you know, every parole hearing, she just starts sobbing because I don't think she knows why she did it and she can't handle it. So, um, it's a lose-lose all the way around. Uh, you know, so your hearts just go out to the family and hope that, uh, I, I love Mary's story. I really loved Mary's story that she was able to get. Mary got therapy. Mary you know, was able to take back control, um, not be afraid of guns, protect herself, get, get her life back. Um, I, I loved the, I loved hearing that. That story was like the one silver lining in all of this that Mary was able to regain and not be a victim. She's a survivor now. I like, I like that word. I like survivor. Yes. And that, that's what, that's what any cam her the families of uh mr suture and the other gentlemen um yeah they they they're all survivors out of all of this and uh one can only hope that brenda is truly remorseful for what she did even though we'll never know why i definitely don't think it was because she didn't like mondays so We'll leave it at that. Um, we knew this was going to be a heavy one, but uh, I think like I mentioned a couple of weeks back, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do about this is because I really don't think a lot of people, you know, we've done Eileen Warnos. Um, we've done Cat Knight, Knight in Australia. We've talked about uh, Mothers. We did our Mothers Who Kill episode some time back. Um, you know, that was for completely different reasons. You know, that can be for a million different things, postpartum, just crazy, whatever. Um, but this one really struck me because this one is a one that I really don't feel like, especially now, a lot of people are familiar with, and it's so different. Catherine Knights was, more, you know, she had specific people that she targeted. Eileen Warnos 
was a totally, she was an actual serial killer. And there was, a, you know, her story was beyond tragic. Um, when it comes to these spree killings or school shootings or, or uh, mass shootings like this, there's never been a woman. You know, it's all, they're always men. They're always men. Every time we hear these stories, they're always men. And I, and I re distinctly remember listening to a podcast where somebody said, has there ever been a woman? And the guy said, no. And this other guy goes, actually, there was. And that's when I went, Brenda Spencer. And my husband was like, you would know that. And I'm like, well, I mean, she's the only one. So it's not like I picked it out of the hat. I just feel like, I just, I drink and I know things. I know these things. So, um, but yeah, we don't like to, <laughs> but again, it's, um, it's one of these, like we said, we just, uh, for anybody that didn't know, um, yeah. And she is still imprisoned and, uh. We hope the families are doing well. So, yes. Yeah. Very much so. Very glad to hear the good news coming out of it. Um, I'm a survivor. I'm sorry. I can't get Monday, Monday. I'm trying. I'm trying I'm to, a light, survivor. Trying to lighten up head. the mood. <laughs> well, next week's going to be light as hell. Cause, oh, uh, my God. Next week's episode. Guys, another one of these uh, found out on TikTok and what the fuck. <laughs> Did anybody know that Courage the Cowardly Dog was based off of true events? Did anyone know? Anyone know? Because I sure as fuck didn't until TikTok was like, hey. And I was like, what? And then I researched it and I was like, oh. That's true. So next week we're going to be talking about the real true story and events that were behind the making of Courage the Cowardly Dog. And if you didn't watch Courage the Cowardly Dog like me as a kid, because I wasn't allowed to, but I snuck it anyways. <laughs> I've watched more of it as an adult than I have as a kid, actually. Um, that show's really fucked up. <laughs> I need to go back and that watch show's it. Uh, really I fucked up. I watched it a lot as a kid, and I don't think I really got how incredibly fucked up this, this show really was. And actually, I take it back. I think I did watch some episodes as an adult later, and... That show is wild. Like that show is oh my god. It, it's it's wild. And the story, this story behind it is even crazier. Now again, it's very loosely based. Um and 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 it's never been actually proven that this story was really the basis behind the cartoon, but there are way too many similarities. So um, we're going to be coming in and ruining some childhoods for you. Uh, don't watch the Rand Stimpy documentary. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's next week. Um, I just want to say, if you know what, listen, our childhoods are getting, for us elder millennial, millennials, our childhoods are getting ruined left and right. So this one's going to do it. And then for good measure, you know, if you want to put yourself through the torture of the Ren and Stimpy doc, it's free on Tubi, but I would highly not recommend it, especially first thing in the morning, because I don't know why I do this to myself. Anyway, um, no, guys, for real, um, <clears throat> can't wait to talk about next week. Um, and whenever you're listening to this, um, don't forget Chucky is new tonight. 10 5 9 p.m eastern 
on Sci-Fi, and yep. it will be on Peacock tomorrow. And of course, you guys know we have all of the um, what is it? We have social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All, all those of, things. All those things. All DFWTO podcast handle is DFWTO eighty eight eleven. If you guys have any questions, concerns, or just want to say, hey, please email us at dfwto8493 at gmail.com. Also, please give us a follow and subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You will always know when we put out new episodes. And make sure you go check out all of the um, links on the link trees on all of the social medias. Check out our merch. We have shirts, the new Wednesday show is coming out in november they had a date i don't remember the, november 21st or something like that um go snag a wednesdays are for podcast shirt because they're really fucking cool i love them um please yeah. help support it really helps a lot and our t-shirts are pretty dope so and all the money goes back into the podcast yes. and hopefully for one day being able to be at a horror convention and a booth which would be cool as fuck i would literally be like we've made it same <laughs> All right, was that everything? Oh, we got it. Merch, socials, all the goods. All the good goods. Watch Chucky. Watch Chucky. There we go. And watch Hocus right. Pocus 2. And that too. I still have it, but and I will. And Halloween comes out in eight days. Holy I'm, shit, I'm I need to buy my going, tickets for I'm that. definitely going to watch... Uh, we're, we will be doing an episode at the end of this month, so I will definitely have Hocus Pocus 2 done before the end of the month. And God damn, I can't wait for Halloween. Anyway... The movie and the holiday and well, yeah, everything, we, all of it. Also, all the Halloween. Halloween, Halloween is on all a the Monday Halloween. this year. My niece wants to skip school. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for it. The Halloween, next day, Halloween needs to be a national holiday where yeah. everyone's off work in school. Yeah, Thanksgiving. This and is Christmas like one of the last years. You know, she's getting older, so it's like one of the last years. Even though I think there's no age you should stop trick or treating. I went trick or treating for my first time last year. You know that. I love you. 28 years old. Went trick-or-treating for my first time. <laughs> I love you. Full garb, Michael That's Myers. why I'm saying. Everybody should. I scared the shit be, out of those kids. It was no great. There no age limit on <clears throat> trick-or-treating. I, I think there's so many, you know, it, it's part of my youth and anybody that wasn't a part of theirs, it, you should get the opportunity. So I don't think there should ever be an age limit on trick-or-treating. I have to say. If my niece is 18 and she wants to go trick-or-treating with me, let's do go. it. I have to say, there was, it was really funny because I had a group of like eight-year-old boys come up to me and talk to me and I didn't speak to them because when I'm wearing my Michael Myers costume, I am in, I am she in commits. character. I don't speak. Um, but I did have a toddler, about two, three, come up to me and hug me. And then there was hey, a listen. There was listen, a four-year-old that screamed and ran. Listen, so you can the tell. The videos I've seen. You can tell the kids. What the laughing. hug? Good parents. The one that ran away? Terrible parents. <laughs> what do you mean you don't let your ch ha child watch Halloween at three? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I mean, it's it's not bad for kids. It's not. Whenever someone asks, they me, show some boobs. You don't have to show the kid the boobs. Honestly, when people ask me, there's what no the cussing, best there's movie no blood is to introduce their kids to horror wise. I always say Halloween. Halloween and I'm like, is perfect. The reason is because there's a little trickle of blood on her arm. That is it, as far as blood is concerned. That's really it's it. not gory at all. And yeah, there's some titties, but 
at that point, they still think food comes out of them. So it's not like it really matters. And also, even if you don't want them to see it, it's one spot. Fast forward it. It's fine. Yeah. But like Halloween is perfect. It's perfect. That is because a great. It's yeah. Not gory. There's barely any cut. There's no cussing at all. I don't think there's any language in that at all. Um, that is that is a perfect first introduction horror movie for kids. I mean, if you're not wanting to do like an Adams Family or a Beetlejuice or something like the wholesome way, ones, my first spoopy movie of the month was Beetlejuice. I had to. My husband and I just really wanted. mine was Hocus Pocus. I mean, I, I I can quote it at this point. I Damn. let me tell you right now, I'm I will be the most annoying person in the world to watch Beetlejuice with. You do not. That's one of those words I I know word i know the movie word for word so i will annoy the fuck out of you i'm just saying unless you want to recite it with me and then we'll just and then we won't be annoying we'll both love it because we all know each other Damn. we just sit there and recite it together Damn. Goes, what are your qualifications well i went to harvard business school <laughs> i studied Julie. when like michael keaton's full voice comes Mm-hmm. I also love the unedited one where they get the one fuck in the PG. Yep. Nice fucking model. I remember as a kid when I finally saw. I that, was like, did he just say I was like, fuck? <laughs> as a kid, you're like, oh, oh, hey, oh, now, now, fuck is just another part of your vocabulary. Oh, fuck is like breathing to me. Like, I have to catch myself with it sometimes. Sometimes I forget that's actually offensive to people. I'm like, ooh. I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck, shit, fuck, damn fuck, it, fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck is universal. It's universal. And it can it be is. used in any way, shape, it Americans is. really made sure of that. We, yes. Because there's a whole ass difference between fuck and if it's fuck. The, if it's the one good thing that Americans did. <laughs> We call fall, fall, because leaf fall down. Listen. All right, my dudes. Well, we hope you have a great week. <laughs> Enjoy the fall weather. Go out and touch some grass. Go to a haunt. Go get the shit scared out of you. Watch Hocus Pocus. Watch, watch Chucky. Yeah. We love you guys. And remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the original. Okay, bye. See, it's even in our name. It's a great word. Fuck. <laughs>